welcome to Jubilee. We are so excited to have you joining us online this weekend. Um, and I just feel like the Lord has a word for our church today. I believe, like, I, I don't, I, I think obviously I, we always try to listen to the Lord and what he wants to share um, when we're preparing our messages, but I feel like this is a timely message. I feel like this is, I'm not smart enough to come up with the words God gave me, but I believe that he has a message for you tonight. And so I just pray right now that your ears be open to what God wants to, to share with you. Not what I am speaking, but God, what you are speaking to your people. And we just give you this time, Lord, in your name, amen. We're currently in the middle of a series right now called The Life You've Always Wanted. And I'm gonna be honest, I think my life is pretty good. I, I love my life. I, I love what I get to do. I love the person I'm married to. I love the kids that I have, the friends that are in my life, the house I live in. I feel very, very blessed. And so when I was um, just praying and asking God, what, what, can I, what do I have to share? Because I feel like I do have the life. I've wanted, but I, I, he began to take me in this different direction, and maybe it's not the life you individually have always wanted, but I want to go to a greater scale, the life the church should be wanting, the life that the church, the church, right, capital C, church, not necessarily Jubilee, but the life that God had intended for the church to have, and it is a unified church. I want to talk tonight about the unified church because if you turn on your TV, or if you turn on social media, or if you get on Twitter, or Instagram, or Facebook, or wherever you're getting your information from, is it not right now a very heated and volatile place out there? Right? Everyone has opinions on, it seems about, just about everything. There's not an opinion that isn't out there right now, and people feel like they be freely sharing those things, which in some ways that's great that we, we get to have that opportunity to share. But what is beginning to happen is be, there is beginning to be this strife, right? People share their opinions and then other people share their opinions about how your opinion is wrong, which isn't that funny because aren't they all just opinions? And so today I want to talk because I think what's happening is the church, here, here is what God intended, is for culture to follow the church and never for the church to follow culture. And I think right now we're really taking our cues from culture and I want to begin to shift that pendulum back to God, you, you reign above it all. You are supreme. You are the one we look to and he desires for a unified church. And, and when you read Revelation and when you begin to read um, about end times, right, there's this idea of the persecuted church. And so I don't, I don't think we're there yet, but I certainly believe we're in those birth pang stages, possibly. At least in my lifetime and probably most people listening to this message right now, I think you could agree with me that you've never experienced what you have experienced in 2020. And so I think what I have always imagined is that what would happen is that the outside world would begin to press in on the church, would begin to um, put pressure, right, 
to be a certain way, to act a certain way, that we would agree and we would disagree with the outside world. And that those who would fall away, as the Bible warns us, would be those who, who chose that they couldn't keep up, right? That they would give into the culture. But here's what's really interesting that I'm seeing happening is the outside doesn't even need to pay attention because we're beginning to turn on ourselves. I see this. I, I'll jump. I had to delete Facebook off my phone because it was so um, angry. And there was so much um, resentment. And there were these, the, you, this offense that was going on. And it wasn't, what's really interesting is there was no difference between those of my friends that are not saved and those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so I think what the enemy is doing is he's weaving his way through the church and it's in the name of offense and strife. And so I want to speak to that today because I believe that is not the message the Lord has us carrying inside of us. We have a message of hope. We have a message of reconciliation. We have a message of joy and it, it is all in the name of Jesus. And so we find this, right? So you could say, okay, well, maybe that's your opinion. So let's take it biblically. Let's just go and what does the Lord have to say on an issue? Does, he, does it really matter to be unified? Or can we all just be off on our own doing our own thing? Does it really matter? And in Psalm 133, we see this taking place. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in what? Unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded his blessing forevermore. So I think there's a lot that we can pick out of this. And I think my challenge to you right now in this season of life is maybe possibly don't go wide with your Bible reading, go deep with your Bible reading. Because I think we could memorize a lot of scripture and not have the understanding of what that scripture means. And then it's not being taken to heart. So my challenge right now is to begin to maybe take little pieces. If God is speaking something to you in this scripture, begin to study that scripture. Stop right there and begin to search it out. Begin to contemplate. We have this amazing tool now in our age and in our generation of the internet. And any information is at our fingertips. And so when we want to know and we want to dive deep into the scriptures, it is so easy for us to do that. And so this scripture, they, they believe that this is probably written right after David was um, kinged, right? Right after he was crowned to be king over all of Israel. And up into this point, the Israelites have not been unified. There are disagreements. There are things that are happening. And it's just not working the way God intended it to. And when David is crowned king, they're saying this, look how good and pleasant it is that we are coming together unified under our king. And I would say that's so, still true today. Look at how good and pleasant it is when we become unified as the church under our king. Under the one who we are to follow and we are to pursue when we have that unity together. 
And then not only that, not only is it good to have the unity church, but it brings forth the blessing that God intended. It brings forth that blessing and this anointing oil that it's talking about, this precious oil, um, I, I did research into it and it's, uh, it's, it's this oil that was olive oil and then these four spices. And I think those four spices could so easily be represented with faith, hope, love, and truth. Right? That when we begin to combine those things, it has this unity that we get to come together uh, and, and unite with. In Matthew 12, 25, it says this, any kingdom that fights against itself will end up in ruins. You go back and you look at any great uh, country, any great dominion that reigned on this earth and where the weakness came in, it was when the division came in. The scripture goes on then to tell us this, and any family or community splintered by strife will fall apart. It's not saying maybe, it's simply a matter of when. We are the light, we are the city on the hill, we are salt, and our desire should be to be in unification with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be pursuing that, we should be running after that, we should be humble in our own opinions and willing to lay that down for the sake of unity. And not just unity, because here's what's really interesting is this. It's not just enough to be in unity, church. We must be in unity under God's purposes and plans, under his precious oil. What is he doing? What is he running after? Where is his heart on a matter? Not what is our heart. God, what is your heart? And here, here's what I want you to walk away with in today is we're not the people who were building the Tower of Babel in complete unity on what they were doing. Right? You sitting at home, were they not? Go back. They were in agreement. They all wanted to become like God, and they had full agreement on what they were doing, what the plan was, what the call was. And yet they missed the point entirely that it's not just enough to have unity. It's unity in Christ. It's unity under his banner, under his purposes, and his plans. And we need to, as Christians, be humbly seeking the Lord for those things. What are your plans? What is your call? What are you doing? I lay myself down at your feet, Jesus, to hear what you fully have to say on a matter, even if it's at the risk of being wrong in my opinion. Sometimes we have to be willing to go, okay, I was wrong. I missed the mark. I was off, but Jesus Oh, you're so good and you're so loving and bring me back into, into your plan and into your purpose in unity with my church. So if the enemy is at work, right, to bring strife and to bring division, it only will bring death to us. So where is the life? How do we get this life? How do we do this? So I came up, well, I didn't really come up with a phrase. Um, anybody watch Friday Night Lights? 
out there? Have you ever seen that show? Hopefully some of you online. I don't love football, but I love shows about football. I am all about the, the inner workings of the team, right? The camaraderie, what goes on. I don't want to watch the games. So for those of you, I was asking JJ, which he doesn't know either. I don't know when football is supposed to start. I don't, I have, I don't, is it supposed to come on this year? Is it? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know if anyone knows, right? So if you are like, man, I'm just really missing football. I don't think it's on in July. I'm pretty sure it's not. But honestly, I don't know when or wh when those things take place. I've, I just don't. But you could go back and watch Friday Night Lights. It's really great. But at the before any game, they go, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And it's just like pumps you up, right? You're ready to get out there on the football field with them. You're just like, yes, 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 Tim Riggins, you can win it tonight. <laughs> You're ready to go. But God, I, I was just thinking this week, and it, that just stuck out to me. So I rephrased it because I think we need to have a slogan, right? We need to, I, I pray that you walk away with this in your heart, that when you are tempted to lean into death, that you remind yourself of this clean hearts, pure mouths, can't lose. Clean hearts, pure mouths, you can't lose. This is the call as the church. This is the call to one another. And it starts with this, right? The idea of clean hearts. What's inside? What's going on on the inside of you? What is happening in here? And I think this is the first step we have to take is we begin to examine ourselves. We begin to look inward, Psalm 51, 7 through 12. It says this, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Shouldn't that be our desire? Shouldn't that be what we're running after? God, that you would wash me, that you would make me clean. That that's not something we do, but Jesus you do that for us. Let me hear the joy and gladness. And then this, right? Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Some, we, we live so much in a culture, we just don't want to feel any pain. Anything to be numb. Anything to avoid any sort of of emotional distress, we just avoid it. And I think, uh, I, I, I'm not a doctor, but from what I understand, right, if a bone that is broken heals incorrectly and it's out of alignment, a doctor has to go back in, re-break that bone so that it heals the correct way. And sometimes I think this is what the Lord has to do with us and we don't like that. We don't like being corrected. We don't like being told we're out of alignment, that we're off on our own. We like to think that we're on the right path and that those who we disagree with, they're the wrong ones. And we're so right. Pastor John said it so perfectly. You can be dead right, but everyone else around you is dead. And so it, that idea, God, that, that I rejoice in your breaking of me because it only brings the right life that I should want and desire. An arm that is healed but broken basically is no good to you. 
Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a what? A clean heart. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your, in some, in some translations it says, restore to me the joy of my, of my salvation. But I love this translation because it's not our salvation, it's his salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. So my question tonight is, when was the last time you checked in on how you were doing? When was the last time you really examined what was inside of your heart? Because sometimes a breaking is good. Sometimes it leads to life. It leads to a clean heart and a right spirit. And here's what I would say. I was thinking about Peter. I heard this great um, thought on this, and it's this. Peter tells the Lord, right? He goes, who do you say that I am? And Peter tells him. Peter fully knows, right? And has heard from God. And he says, you are the son of man. You are Messiah. And Jesus tells him, only the Father in heaven could have revealed these things to you. Right? So this is a man fully walking with the Lord. Fully in unison with him. Fully having an understanding of who he is. And yet you read down and you go a little further. And at one point, Jesus rebukes him and he says, get behind me, Satan. And we think, oh man, Peter, he was just way off. And yet what I would bring up is this. Isn't it interesting that this man who knew who God was, who had this revelation, who had this moment of who Jesus was, and almost it feels like the exact same breath was being rebuked because he, he got off course at one point. And so you can be walking with God and think you are fully right, and yet at some point all it takes is a little step and you're off the path. We think, oh, it's enough that I'm close to the path. No, if you are, you go long enough, right? Like a, a geometry, a point, and you start Jesus going this way, and you, it's, it looks little at the beginning, but the more time goes on, the longer, the, the bigger the gap grows. And so this idea, creating me a clean heart, is something that we have to examine daily, especially right now, especially when the world and the enemy is after your soul and only wants to bring death to you. He is so good at convincing you the thing that you're, the hill you are dying on is the hill to die on. And this examining of where we're at when David wrote this, they believe it was after he had sinned with Bathsheba. And I find that so interesting because what had, this is a man after God's own heart, right? You, you look to the scripture right above that I read out a song, and, and it's this interesting thing that, behold, it is good and pleasant, and they're so excited because David hears this man after God's heart, this man that has slain giants in the name of the Lord, this man has, who, who has united Israel, and yet this same man finds himself. It says, he, when the kings were to be out at war, He's at home. He quickly, how quickly it is to fall away from where God's calling is to what God is doing. And this isn't meant to be harsh, church. This should stir us up. 
This should stir us up to examine where is the enemy at work? Where would the enemy love to see me fall? Because he certainly wants to see you fall. Create in me a clean heart, God. Only you can do this. Only you can create a clean heart in me. And if I want to be unified with my brothers and sisters in Christ, the first step is to take a look inward and to go, God, what are you doing? Where am I at? Have I stepped off the path? God, restore back to me. Return me back to that salvation. Return me back to that place of knowing full well who you are and where you're going, that I am under complete submission to what you want to do and to who you are, Jesus. And then that leads directly into this pure mouths, right? Clean hearts, pure mouths. Clean hearts, pure mouths. If, if you look up the tongue in the Bible, right, our speaking, our language, it's amazing how much it's spoken about and written about. This powerful tool that God has given us. Proverbs 18, 20 through 21 says this, from the fruit of his mouth, a man's belly is filled. With the harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I don't think it's a coincidence that we were the creatures God chose to give this power to, the only creatures he chose to give this power to. This, this incredible gift of life and death, and sometimes I think we take it too lightly, what we're speaking and what we're calling into existence. Or maybe what we're calling into death. Right? If, if we breathe life out of our mouth, could it also be possible? I mean, it says it right here, that we can also breathe death. So what are you speaking into existence? What are you allowing to come out of your mouth to be, to be in what God has given you, right? Or are you going of your own accord? And here's why the pure heart is so important. Because in Luke 6.45, it says this, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. These go together, these work together. And if what is inside, uh, you want to know what, where your heart is at? What are you speaking? What are you talking on? What are you dwelling on? Who are you talking with and what are you saying? Because then it says this, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart because church, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. When, when I was preparing this message, I was thinking, 
um, I hope this person listens to this or this person listens to this message, right? And maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, I hope there are like five people I could think of right now that need to hear this message. I, they are really letting people have it. And the Lord so tenderly convicted me and he said, you're not responsible for them. You're responsible for you and what are you doing? And we so quickly cast off messages like this and we go, this is a really great message for somebody else that I know. I hope they're hearing this. I hope they're getting the message. But you're only responsible for you. And so my prayer and my hope tonight is that you really do take a look inward. Because just like Peter, it's so easy. You don't even recognize it. And you could very quickly be out of alignment with what the Lord is doing. Search me, O oh God. And then, Lord, use my mouth to be your, your vessel. You know, I, I was thinking, um, JJ, my husband and I, if we, if we get in fights or we get in disagreements, which doesn't happen very often, um, we, we were taught in premarital counseling this great thing, this great tool is um, your spouse is not your enemy. Satan is your enemy, and he's at work against you. And so, JJ, um, often if, if we are in a disagreement and it's just we're at, we're at odds ends, right? We just cannot agree on a situation or on a decision, and it's just this circle that we're going around and around with. A lot of times, JJ will grab me. He'll grab my hand and he'll say, hey, I'm not your enemy, and you're not my enemy. And then what happens is it shifts the focus off of each other and onto the accuser. And then we come back together and we pray. And I would say this is what, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are not each other's enemy. The person you disagree with is not your enemy. It's your brother or sister in Christ. And here, here's, here's what I would say is it's okay I think sometimes the, um, the extreme pendulum of this is to go, well, you, you, we, how do we ever call out someone or how do we correct? Because obviously there needs to be room for that as well, right? Sometimes we do need a correction. Sometimes we do need to be corrected. But I'm just going to tell you this, on Facebook, in front of everyone to see, is probably not the place to correct someone's heart. Because here, here's the thing, a bunch of people yelling, it, it, it's the, it becomes a game of who's yelling the loudest. And, and, and I, I, I was thinking, you, when, I, when my kids come to me, and if I were to yell them into submission, yell them into doing the right thing, what only would happen is they would be fearful and silent, but would their hearts really be changed? Where the Lord comes and breathes life, and what, what, what would he do? I often ask, how does Jesus correct me when I step off the path? It's gentle. It's loving. It's usually behind closed doors, right? It's one-to-one. -one. It's not to embarrass someone. It's not to go, gotcha. 
right? I don't do this with my children. And then I think the whole other part of it is there's people then who are listening to this message, and I would, I would say that, that then the enemy would come in and condemn this and make you feel bad and make you feel like I've done this and now I should just be punished for this. And that's not the Holy Spirit either. That's not God's heart for you. God's heart is conviction, right? To turn and go the other way. But go back to what Psalm says. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Cast me not away from your presence. His intention is to not cast you aside. His intention is to pull you closer to him. And sometimes we can rejoice in the breaking of bones because what it does is it leads us to the life and the path of life. And our responsibility, though, is to go, God, what's inside and what's coming out of me? What words am I speaking? What am I putting into the atmosphere? What message is coming out of your mouth? And then this, right? You could have the right message in the wrong tone. What tone are you using with those you're talking to? In real life, on social media, what tone are you using? We, we had um, a, a professor, a, a psychologist, a Christian psychologist come and talk to our staff. And it was this really amazing conversation that we got to have with him. But he said this, and it's always stuck with me. And I would like, I would like to, maybe it'll stick with you. As he goes, at any point when I'm walking into a situation, when I am walking into a conversation, when I am, am doing anything with people, I like to ask myself, where is Jesus in this room? Where is Jesus in this room? What would his response be? Would he be pleased with this? Would he be proud of this? What would his tone be? What would he be creating in the atmosphere? Where is Jesus in the room? If we could close our eyes, right before we ever opened our mouths, if we closed our eyes and said, Jesus, where are you in this room with me? What do you want to do? Because again, it's not enough just to be unified church. We have to be unified under what is Jesus doing? That's why it's so important to be in prayer. This is why it's so important to be reading our Bibles. This is why, not right, not wide, but deep. Going deep with Jesus. Going deeper and deeper and calling out and being hungry for those things. And I think unity doesn't just mean, you know, here, here some people will hear this. Well, you're saying we can't disagree. No. We're all created differently, right? They're, they're, we all bring something special to the table, and much of that has to do with our experiences. God created us with our own free will. God created us, if he wanted a bunch of robots, he would have made a bunch of robots. He created us with an individual, unique mind because he wanted all this beautiful color to be in the world. This rich flavor of all these different people. And so, no, you, you can disagree. Conversation, dialogue is great. Here's what, though, is not okay, is when you walk away from a disagreement, picking up offense from that conversation. 
It's the offense that's not okay. And what it does is it, it doesn't bring death to the other person. It really brings death to you. The anger that you begin to feel, it, it, it's so, it, it's amazing what offense does inside of you. It is a slow poison that slowly kills you. And soon enough, it won't just be this one subject or this one idea that you are filtering life through. It will be everything you see it through the lens of offense. Anything and everything is through this lens of offense. And I think this is what's happening right now in culture is we've picked up offense and it's a spirit. It's a spirit. It's not an emotion, church. It's a spirit. Offense and strife is a spirit, and it works its way into communities. It works its way into families. You know, I was talking to people this week, multiple people, and this has worked its way into, like, actual nuclear families where they're having these disagreements, and, and at the cost of being right, they're separating out from their family. And that's not what God wants. That's not his desire. His desire for us is to be fully in communion with him, with our brothers and sisters, with our families. And here's why. Right? Clean hearts, pure mouths, can't lose. We know how this story ends. We don't lose. And when we operate with our clean hearts and our pure mouths, we don't lose. We gain. We can only gain, right? Um, the scripture that says, when two or more are gathered, there is power. And so my, <laughs> I would go then a step further. When then three are gathered, there's more power than when two are gathered. And when four are gathered, there's more power than when three is gathered. Because God is a God of multiplication, not division of multiplying. And as I come to the end of my message, I really, I feel pressed to, to ask you, where are you? Are you united with your brothers and sisters? Because that's when we begin to shine. The book of Acts, it starts out and it talks about the group of people when they were gathered in the upper room. And it says this really interesting phrase, they were in one accord, or translate it, unity. They were in unity with one another. And this great move of the Spirit breaks out. This great move of what God begins to do and what he begins to multiply because there's unity inside of the church. They're in one accord, and it was in the accord of Jesus. You are our banner. You are our lifeline. We lay down our thoughts and our ideas, Jesus, for you. And church here, this isn't just um, my prophetic word, though I really believe God has begun to speak to me on this, I believe that God wants to pour out his spirits. You know, I saw, I saw this prophetic word that, um, you know, I was thinking in my lifetime, okay, I'll say it this way first. In my lifetime, 
I've probably known a handful of people who have come to know the Lord, which is an incredible celebration. Every life gained is a victory. But I saw this prophetic word and I'm holding on to this, that billions are gonna come to know the Lord. But I think what we have to recognize is it's we as the church, as the body of Christ, we need to be unified in what God wants to do. We can't be turning on our, our brothers and sisters. We need to be in complete agreement because I guarantee you there is coming a time when the world will begin to put pressure on us. And how much stronger and how much greater are we when we are unified in Christ and unified with the vision that he is calling us to. We're crying out, God, would you bring revival? We're crying out. And I was praying this week for this. And I think what the Lord showed me is he said, Kate, I I am so good and I am so merciful. And part of what this, this is, his goodness sometimes reveals as a warning to us a weakness that we may have, an area that the enemy may come in to prepare us, to course correct. And I felt like what he was saying is course correct. Course correct where you're at, church. Course correct where your heart is at. That we, he's saying, I'm showing you this now because I want to do a great work. I want to partner with you. I want to use my church. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it says this, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, right? I lay down my opinions. I lay down the things I think and I humble myself. And I pray, and God, we seek your face, and we turn from our wicked ways. And in this, right, can we hold fast to this? Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What if revival starts with the healing of our lands? There's a lot of places that I see healing needing to take place in our country. And I was just asking God, what if, what if it's our country that starts this great revival? And then I was just saying, what if it was Colorado that started this great revival? What if it was Denver that started this great revival? And then I just asked this simple question, God, why not Jubilee? Why not us? Why not use a church? What's so beautiful about this church is we have a pastor who has never been it's his knee to culture, but has always followed after God, after his vision, after what he feels. He is not pressured into doing things. He is humbly always seeking the Lord. And so we are put, we are positioned, I believe, in a place. Why not us to start this great revival? Why not our church? Why not our people that if we humble our before the Lord and we say, God, we seek your unity. God, we seek what you want to do. We lay down our life. We lay down our 
expectations. And God, we humbly come before you and go, we come as one church, we come as one body, in one accord, in one voice, God, seeking what you want to do. Why not start tonight? Why not start today? Why not in this moment? So Father, I pray this right now, God, that we would each examine ourselves. God, where are we at with this? God, do you need to create in us a clean heart? Maybe you're listening to this and you just think, my heart's too dirty. It's too hard to look on the inside. I feel this for you. Jesus already knows where you're at. Jesus has already seen it and he's already forgiven it. So why not live in the life? Why not step into freedom? Why not step into that? It's not you, church. It's not you sitting on your couch. You don't create a clean heart. It's God and him alone who creates a clean heart. And then Father, may we be people with pure mouths, clean hearts, but pure mouths. God, may we be your vessel. May we be your tool that when we speak, it doesn't look like the world. It doesn't look like what other people are doing. God, that we would go against the grain. God, that we would speak life, Lord Jesus. God, that what comes out of our mouth would be full of life, life giving to those around us, life giving to the culture. God, that we would begin to prophesy your life into the world, Jesus, not death, but life, God. It says, therefore today, I set before you life and death, therefore choose life. Church, may you today choose life. It is a choice you get to make. Would you choose his life? And God, when we begin to do that, we can't lose. And I believe this, God, I speak this out. I speak with the life, with the authority of words you have given each and every one of us, God, that we would be a church wholly surrendered to you in complete unity, Jesus. God, that we would be of one accord, that when we gather, whether it's online or in the building, God, we are in one accord seeking you, seeking your heart, seeking what you want to do, Jesus. God, the victory is yours. Today is yours as we go about our day, as we go about our time, God. We give you our life, Jesus. Clean hearts, pure mouths, can't lose. In Jesus' name, amen.